I'm going to teach a lesson, and y'all have already heard this lesson, but I'm praying that you grab hold of it and never, ever doubt this again. It's the lesson on tithing and giving. The body of Christ needs a spiritual checkup. That's why you need to be in a church that teaches and not just give you emotional uh, energy. You need to be in a church that train you in these areas. And that's been a very stickler of ours for years is understanding the tithes and the offering because we know how important they are. All right. Turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Let's begin there. And let's see the principle that is at work even today. Genesis 8, verse 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So now we understand that we have, this is called sowing and reaping. Say sowing and reaping. So as long as the earth remains, there's going to be some planting and there's going to there's be a harvest. There's going to be cold and there's going to be heat. So climate change is nothing new. We're going to always have cold and we're going to always have heat. That's what the word said. So we shouldn't make that no great big deal because that's what God says is going to happen until the earth stops being the earth. And since we're still on the earth, this is still happening. Amen? So that means that we should plant in order to get a harvest, right? So seed time and harvest was before, say before, before. the law was given. See, I, 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 I'm not going to get ahead of myself today. I said, I'm going to slow down and I'm going to do this right, Lord. Thank you. So tithing did not start under the law. Now, I know some people say, well, go back to Abraham. We're we going back there. I'm going to show you in just a minute. But most people, when they want to debate tithing, they stop with the Mosaic law. They don't go back to the beginning of tithing. When God instituted it, not the law. Therefore, we cannot use the Mosaic law as the introduction of the tithe. Because it did not introduce the tithe. Okay. Abraham tithe. Look at Genesis 14, verse 20. Genesis chapter 14, verse 20. Now, this is the uh, where Melchizedek comes and Abraham's tithe. Until Melchizedek. Now I know everybody familiar with that. Are you ready? And blessed be the most high God, which have delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he gave, in saying Melchizedek, him tithes of all. All right. Well, now, now how did Abraham know the tithe? Moses born in on the scene. Moses didn't show up to almost 500 years later. The Israelites weren't even on the earth. They were still in Abraham. How did Abraham know the tithe? 
I want y'all to get your senses back. How did Abraham know the task? What he tells us in the word. Look over. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 7 and 8. Abraham tithed, because some of us seen that before Abraham started dealing with God, he was a moon worshiper. Didn't say nothing about he was a tither. He was a heathen. Are y'all hearing me? But in Galatians 3, verse 7 and 8, let's read them. Know ye therefore, they that which are faith, the same are the children of Abraham. That's us today, right? Because we're, we're of faith, right? And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, did what? Preach the gospel. Preach before the gospel unto who? Abraham. In these shall all sin, and all in these shall all nations be blessed. So now, wait a minute. It didn't say God taught him the law. It did not say. It did not say God preached unto him the Mosaic law. It said God preached unto Abraham the gospel. Oh, well, that's what we live by. So, in other words, are you saying to me, Pastor Diana, that God preached? This unto Abraham, absolutely. Because he had already, he told Abraham, he even told Abraham that the Israelites were going to go into bondage. He says, I'm going to bring out of you a nation of people. They're going to be set apart for my use on them. I'm paraphrasing. And you need to go read the whole book of Genesis. And he told Abraham, he says, and they're going to go into bondage. But he even showed Abraham, you and I coming into this thing. This is why a different kind of priest had to come unto Abraham. There was no Levitical tribe for him to tie through. They were in his loins. Oh, you can see y'all smart. Y'all catching it. You need to hear this because there's a lot of confusion being out there. And now listen, let me share this with you. you you're not going to be forced to tithe. God don't want your money like that, sure. Come on. He don't want you. Because see, what we're going to discover is that it's never been about the money. We made that the issue when that's not what God did this for. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. So we see... That God himself preached the gospel unto Abraham. Now, how are he going to teach Abraham that you're going to be a father of many nations and not tell him how he's going to prosper him and what to do to remain prosperous? See, God's smarter than us. God's not going to dial that out. So since God didn't preach the law unto Abraham, God had to preach tithing. He had to preach tithing and giving. And what we're going to discover today, that we have made tithing so difficult. No wonder people don't get breakthroughs because we make, it's, it's the way we think. Say it's the way I think. So Abraham knew to give 10%, even though 10% had never been mentioned before this encounter. You can't find it in the Bible before Abraham, 10%. Mm. Oh, 
Are you learning? All right. So then we go down to, and, um, so God's plan all along. Look at verse 8. I think that's where I'm still. Yeah, Galatians 3. To stay in Galatians, look at verse 7. And um, we'll go through verse 9. So those who are the true children of Abraham will have the same faith as their father. And if Abraham is called the father of faith, then the same things Abraham believed, we must believe them. He can't be called the father of faith and believe something different. It will confuse us. We got enough confusion without us being confused about Abraham. Can y'all see the parallel? I, I want you to see it. If it take me the next month to teach this, I will. If that's what the Spirit of God had me to do. Because the one thing I don't need you to be is confused about when, you, when it's time to, to tithe and give. I don't want you to have any apprehensions. I want you to know God not after your money. If you think God after your money, hold on to it because you're going to need it in your time of need. Our God is not a broke God and he doesn't need your money like that. And I'm going to show you what he really is after. So God's plan all along, verse 8, I'm reading this from another translation, was to bring this message of salvation to the nations through the revelation of faith. That's the whole plan. Long ago, God prophesied over Abraham, and, and, as the Holy Scriptures say, through your example of faith, through your example of faith, takes faith to tithe. Through your example of faith, Abraham, all nations will be blessed. Mm. And so the blessing of Abraham's faith is now our blessing too. So now if we get in Galatians and, and this is the reference point that we have, Abraham had to be taught tithing from God. Not the Mosaic law. Abraham was gone. Are y'all hearing me? I said Abraham was gone. It, it, 450 years at least. Some say 600 years before the Mosaic law came on the scene. So how do we, if it's all that many years, not honor God? Okay. Go to Romans chapter 4. I'm going to help dispel something misunderstanding by the spirit of God. Oh, hallelujah. Help me, Holy Ghost, to do this. Hallelujah. Because, you know, uh, uh, I was talking to Pastor DJ, and, you know, we were discussing it recently, not my lesson, but I told him, I said, look, I said, because we heard some things that had been said and traveling, you know, news in the, in the church community. It gets, we don't need no cell phones with some of this stuff. I'm telling you, People just know people that know people that know people. Auntie, you heard that. Mm. So you don't need to stay on social media as much as you do. Just talk to your kin folk. They tell you all the bad news. But anyway, we were discussing this, and I told them, I said, sit on it. Don't tell nobody else. Don't even have no uh, thoughts about it. Let the Spirit of God minister to you, and let it minister to me. I said, it's my assignment. Any adjustment that people need, that's my assignment. I said, don't you fret about it. Because he was concerned that you all not be confused. And I told him, I said, don't sweat it. 
God's got this. All right, are you there? Romans 4, verse 3. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for what? Hallelujah. So God accounted his believing as righteousness. Why? This is going to be the man that's called the father of faith. Something because of what God preached to him. And Abraham believed it. God preached unto Abraham the gospel, and Abraham believed it. Abraham didn't struggle with it. Abraham believed it. Look, at, uh, I'm going to read this out of another translation. And it says, you remember Abraham. The scripture tells us, Abraham believed God and trusted in his promises. So God counted it to his favor as righteousness. Hmm. So we see God preached the gospel unto Abraham. Abraham believes what God said, and God accounts it to him as righteousness. Because Jesus, see, God had to tell Abraham Jesus was coming. This is why when you read in the book of Hebrews and the, and the hall of faith that I call the hall of faith, they talk about how all of them died and didn't see it, but they had seen it inside of them because it was preached to them that Jesus, the Messiah, is coming. Mm. And he's going to ratify and fulfill the promise God gave Abraham. All right. Look at James chapter 2, verse 23. I'm going to give you some ammunition that you can go home and meditate and let the Lord talk to you. Because, see, tithing is not the issue. Ooh. James 2, verse 23. And I want to read this. I'm going to read out of King James first. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the what? Friend of God. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I say something about my friend, there are things I share with them that I don't just share with people that I see every day that are not really my friend. Can you imagine God? keeping tithing away from Abraham when you're going to be the father of faith and through you all the people are going to be blessed all the nations are going to be blessed but I'm going to hold tithing back from you and wait till Moses show up children being born in the interim before Moses get there the Israelites are coming on the scene <laughs> See, the Israelites was before Moses, in case y'all didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, they, they were there before Moses showed up. So who was teaching them what to do before Moses showed up? Hmm. The forefathers did. All right. So how do we get Moses into this equation? Abraham is no longer on the scene, but the blessing and the promise is. It's still working because God's going to uphold his, his covenant with Abraham. 
Moses had been chosen to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Now you have a congregation of millions of people. Order, say order, is absolutely necessary. You're dealing with people that's been in slavery for more than 450 years. Can somebody agree that their mind was warped? They had lost their understanding about the things of God. They had been slaves for all that long time. So order has to be put in place. Mm. Am I helping you? Yep. When you got a large, I mean, even in a small congregation, you got to have order. You got to have some guidelines. Say guidelines. That everybody, say everybody, must adhere to. Why? For the safety of all that's involved. Woo, glory to God. Mm -mm -mm. Ah, let me ask you this question. Was the devil in the earth when Moses was in leadership? You believe that? Okay. Well, if you believe that, then you know he was after them just like he was after Adam and Eve. What was going to keep them, since Jesus went here in the flesh, what was going to keep them from being destroyed by the devil that hates them? The same devil that went after Adam and Eve in the garden was still after mankind. But God said, these are my set-aside people. What was going to be their protection? I'm making you think this morning. What was going to be their protection? They ain't had the spirit of God living in them. They weren't born again. Jesus hadn't showed up. What was going to be their protection? From the enemy. Mm. So God knew that the devil was in the earth. He knew this. So God also knew the devil was looking for opportunity to destroy or devour them. Just like he is today, he's looking for opportunity to destroy you. Now, I'm going to define that word in just a moment. Look at 1 Peter 5, 8. See, you got to stop walking in this fog and just listening to people because you're used to listening to them. Pay attention to what's being said. Hallelujah. Go home and study for yourself. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil... The devil is still in the earth. He was on the earth back then. As a roaring lion, they say he was a lion. He making a lot of noise. Walketh about seeking somebody to devour. He looking for opportunity to destroy somebody. Can I get an amen? Look at John 10.10. 10. Yeah, we're going to walk this Bible through. And I'm going to get as much in you today as I possibly can because I need you to leave here with at least a lot of the meat of what God has showed me. John 10, 10, the thief cometh not. Now, his whole purpose for coming, when the devil shows up, you need to understand something. He don't have but one plan in mind. He coming to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's his whole purpose. No matter how he cover it up, no matter how much sugar he dump on it, no matter how many sweet words he say to you, the whole motive and intent 
is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, that same devil that we're wrestling with today was, in the, was back there when the Israelites was going along. But there had to be some protection given unto them. Now, let's examine the word destroy or devour. The Greek word is pino, P-I-N-O, P-I-N-O, pino. It means to slurp or to drink. You said, what they got to do with destroy? Okay. In your mind, when you see, when we read John 10, 10, at least I did. I don't know about you, but most people think my picture come up and say, well, there's a lion and it's after you. That kind of thing is out to devour you. Or, or an animal is after to attack you. And you're thinking about being devoured. Let me show you where that happens. But listen to this. The victim has been so totally consumed there's no meat left. See, when they, that's the hope. That's, I'm telling you what the devil is desiring to do. Now, this is the Hebrew and Greek rendering of the word destroy and devour. It means all that remains is juice. And the juices of that dead animal, the lion is so committed to consuming the victim that the lion hovers over the juices and slurp it up. See, the devil is not interested in just making you slow down. And, no, he wants to devour you to where you surrender. See, he, he keeps messing with you until you yield to what he's bringing against you. Because that's what the devil desires. He desires to slurp you up. You may not see slurping the same way no more, but that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to slurp you up. He wants to get you so weak and beat down that you, 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 fit, you ever had a piece of meat that was so, it, be, it looked like it's been soaked in something, it, it's not, don't even taste, it's so soggy. And it doesn't even taste good even after it's cooked because it's just so, mm, because it's been beaten too much. When you overbeat a piece of meat, you destroy the taste of it. That's what the devil does. Hmm. That's the same devil. That was back there that we're dealing with today. Mm -hmm. So a plan of defense or protection had to be in place so the devil could not destroy the Israelites. Because God was trying to use, they, they were his set-aside people. He wanted to use them to show the world his greatness. Look at Malachi 3. I know, I know, this is the famous scripture. Come on, come on. We got it, we got it. Bring ye all the tithes, look at verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open unto you, open unto you, Open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the what? Oh, system of protection. This is the system of protection. This is God's system of protection. He says, I will rebuke the slurper. From slurping you up and beating you down till you can't think. 
He says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your cause, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Now I want to read that out of another translation. To rectify this situation, you must bring the entire tithe into the storage house in the temple so that there may be food for me and for the Levites in my house. Because the people were not only neglecting the temple, but they were forgotten that the priest had to, was living off of the church. Because they didn't work a nine to five. They were called and set aside. The Levitical priesthood was called and set aside. And God told the people, you take care of the priest. Oops. No wonder the church suffered a lot. Because we don't care nothing about how the man and woman of God live. We think we give our little offering, our little tithe. And, but the church got all these responsibilities apart from the, the priest. Okay. I ain't going to get into that one. I ain't going to mess with y'all this morning with that. We got enough to deal with right here. He says, and, and the translation reads, he says, for feel free to test me now in this. See whether or not I, the eternal commander of heavenly armies, will open the windows of heaven to you and pour out a blessing down upon you until all needs are satisfied. Verse 11, it says, and I will rebuke the swarm of locusts devouring your crops. And the devourer will not cause. See, the devourer says, I mean, a lot of these storms and stuff that we have. There are people that are demonically being induced and they are praying for bad weather. These are the kind of enemies we're fighting people. And, and y'all worried about the tie? Mm. Watch this. He says, he says, and I would, I would, the devourer will not cause your produce. You have grown in the earth to decay or the vines in the field to drop their grapes. He says, you're not going to suffer loss. You won't have loss like the world. Ooh. Okay. Still shaking? Still, okay, look at Deuteronomy 8. Let's go to verse 1. Mm, 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 mm. Now we're going to get to the crust of what the tithe is all about. It's never been about the money. It's been about you being protected. But there's a reason. Are you there? Deuteronomy 8 verses 1 through 3. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do, that you may live, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led these, these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine what? Whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or not. Tithing reveals your heart. Mm-hmm. And he humbled Nancy in, in Deuteronomy. We're dealing with the Mosaic law. You understand? We're we at that junction now. I told you at the beginning, Moses on the scene now. Abraham is gone. Moses on the scene. So we're dealing with the Mosaic law. But Moses telling them why the law had to come. Since God gave the law to Moses, don't you think Moses had enough sense to write down what God told him he needed people to know? 
Why do we assume God is on our level? <laughs> He's higher. And verse 3, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know. He said, your father never had to go through this because you were in your father. You was in Abraham. Abraham didn't have to go through the wilderness like this. That he might make thee know that, not, that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Sound like New Testament to me. Mm. Okay, let me read this out another translation. Uh, Moses, you must obey very carefully all of the law which I'm commanding you today. If you do, you'll live and thrive. You'll go in and take possession of the land he promised to your ancestors. Remember how the eternal, your true God, led you through the wilderness these past 40 years. He did this to humble you, to test you, to uncover your motivations, to see if you would obey him. It's always been about your heart, never about the money. It's always been about your heart. He says, he humbled you by making you hungry when there was no food in the desert. Then he fed you with manna. Why was he doing this? Because he was trying to shift their dependency from Pharaoh to him. And he had to put them in a place where they had no choice but to depend on him. That's why he took them to the wilderness. So they couldn't run back to Pharaoh any kind of way. Because he had to break their dependency. That's the proving he's talking about. Not because he's just trying to carry them out there and make them go through some rough stuff. But they were so in bondage in their mind because they had been slaves for 450 years. He says, I got to break that dependency. And, you know, even in then, no matter what God did, they were still hollering and squalling because they wanted to go back to Egypt. Because it was so embedded in them. Tithing and giving helps pull out junk in you when you do it right. Because you're doing it out of heart of love. Not because it's a ritual to do. Tithing and giving has never been a ritual. And I'm going to share you the word, the word command. See, because you need to understand, well, I'll go ahead and give you the definition. A command is simply an a, a authoritative order or direction or instructions given to be obeyed. It ain't no different than you, you parents. You got children that live in your house. Don't you have some rules in your house? If you don't, I know what your house looks like. But there are rules in your house that are designed, why? To help that child grow up with structure and not be just oh, flying all night long. You can't get them to do nothing. They won't do nothing. They won't do nothing. See, that's a child that's growing up with no structure, no, no outline as to what they're supposed to be in life. They'll never learn who they're supposed to be. Because structure is supposed to be in place. Rules are for your safety. We got to stop bucking up against the things of God and make a command like he's making you obligated. Now, you don't, you're not obligated. You don't have to obey God, but just be willing to understand that there are consequences. 
to every decision you make, there's a consequence, good or bad. Something happens as a result of a decision you make. Whether it be good or bad, it doesn't matter. There's a consequence that's going to come with it. He says, look at verse 3 again. He says, uh, he said he did this because he wanted you to understand that what makes you truly alive is not the bread you eat, the physical bread you eat, but following every word that comes from the mouth of the eternal one. See, that's, that's not what, see, getting, getting bread in your house, that's not what make you live. That make your body stay alive. But you, the spirit man, you got to obey this word to live. Ooh. Are you learning? Now go to Deuteronomy 8, look at verse 9 through 19. And he gave them some, uh, some prayer. He told them, he told them even in the wilderness, they're still in the wilderness. And he, he trying to encourage them to see the end from the beginning. But they so fixed on Egypt. You brought us all the way out here to die. We could have died in Egypt. This is why he said anybody that was above 20 just dropped dead. Because he was tired of dealing with the way their heart condition was. And in order to get them to the promised land, something had to be done drastically. They'd have lived in the wilderness and never made it to Canaan. Had he had to contend with those griping, complaining people for the rest of the time. And it would have infected the young people. He had to get that cancer out of the camp. That's a lot of people that dropped dead. So it took them 40 years to kill them off. But he had to get rid of that generation. Because they would not change their heart and just submit. Are you stubborn? You need to ask yourself, am I stubborn? Can God really get me to do what he wants me to do? Because if he can't, you, you, you got an Israelite issue. And you're asking God to bless you, but you need to make sure you're not doing an Israelite issue. All right, because, the, listen, the blessing and the cursing is still out here. And the devil don't care if you understand it or not. He's going to take advantage of the opportunity. All right, are you there? Deuteronomy 8, look at verse 9. In that land, you'll always have plenty to eat. You won't lack anything. There's iron in the rocks, and you can dig copper from this. He said the land is rich with minerals and oils and all kinds of things. He says, you'll never have to go outside and get anything. I provided everything for you. I'll make you industrious. People will be coming, at, coming to you for your iron and your oil. He says, you'll eat and be satisfied. And then you'll humbly thank the eternal God for the good land he's given you. Then he said in verse 11, but, somebody say but. Then be very careful. Don't forget your God and disobey the commands and decrees and rules I'm giving you today. Ah, Jesus. 
when your stomachs are full, verse 12, when you've built comfortable houses to live in and you got more cars than you can drive and you got everything you can think of in your house and you're living good, he says when you have large herds or when your bank accounts are full and you feel like you're running over, when you possess plenty of silver and gold, so God must not have wanted them to be broke. And if they are our example, why is the church so broke? These are our example, and they weren't even born again. God went living inside of them. He gave them an external command for them to obey. And if they obeyed it, they got the God kind of results. Okay. He says, Verse 13 again, when you have large herds and flocks, when you possess plenty of silver and gold, and when you have more things than you imagine possible. Some of you got more than you ever thought you would have in your life. Verse 14, then don't become proud and puffed up and forget God. He brought you out of the land of Egypt where you were slaves. And he led you through that awful vast wilderness with his poisonous snakes and scorpions. And you didn't get burnt. You didn't get bit. You didn't die. Nobody suffered no kind of sickness and disease. He brought you through that desert where there was no water. And he made water come out of a hard rock. And he fed you in the wilderness with manna, a food your ancestors had never heard of. He did all this to humble you and test you. But it was all intended for your good in the end. If he hadn't, if he hadn't, you might have believed that I've got all this wealth by my own power and my own strength. It's a heart condition. It's always been a heart condition. We coming. He says, because he said, he said, if you forget me, you're going to think you got all this by yourself. You're a self-made millionaire. A lot of them proclaim that out there in the world. Not supposed to be that in the church. Look at verse 18. Deuteronomy 8, 18. Y'all ought to know this by memory. But I'm going to read out another translation. Remember, the eternal one, your God, he's the one who gives you the power to get well. So he can keep the covenant promises he made to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob as he is doing now. Is he doing it now? Is the promise still alive? Oh, Jesus. Verse 19, I testify against you today that if you do forget him and pursue other gods, if you worship things and bow down to things, then you will certainly be destroyed. What is he saying to them? They make it seem like God going to destroy them. No, he knew that the slurper was out there. And without this divine protection, the devil could have access to them. Well, no ifs, ands, and buts. The tithes and offerings were instituted to for, for divine protection. You should never complain again about tithing and giving. It's a heart issue. And if you hear somebody say, you ain't got to tithe no more, you need to run. Could I ask you to come from under your divine protection? I'm going to show you something. The Lord, mm, what time is it? Okay, I got about 10 more minutes. I'm going to do my best because we're going to have to come back. I see it right now. Because it, it's all about the heart. 
Look at Leviticus 27, because I don't want to go too fast, because I, I want you to grab hold of this. Leviticus chapter 27, let's look at verse 28. Now, in the Mosaic law, Moses, through the Levitical priest, is now beginning to give them guidelines. Somebody say guidelines. You know, you can't have people coming and just doing whatever. Somebody has to set guidelines. And God set the guidelines. Moses didn't make that up. The Levitical priest didn't make it up. Because if they made it up, then we can say we don't have to do nothing. We ain't got to give, just show up. If a man did it. It's still alive because God instituted it. And it had nothing to do with the law itself. The law is a set of orders or rules and guidelines and outlines to show you how to deal with God. Oh, trying to get ahead of myself. Hold on, Lynn. Hold on, hold on. Hold your horse. Come on. Are you there? Look at verse 28. Notwithstanding, no devoted thing. Okay, now, now, we, now it says no devoted thing. That means there must be something that's set aside. That's separate from the other things that you would give. No devoted thing that a man shall devote unto the Lord of all that he hath, of all that he hath, both of man and beast and of the field of his possession shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy unto the Lord. Now, you think God changed that? Okay, they said the law got fulfilled. Non-devoted, verse 29, which shall be devoted of men shall be redeemed, but shall surely be put to death. In other words, if there's a man that's up for to be killed, you can't redeem him. You got to kill him. Because he's been devoted. If he transgressed, you know, y'all need to read the Bible. It's very interesting. Because the, the parents, if you had a disobedient child back then, aren't you glad you're in that New Testament? In this New Testament. Because if your child was disobedient and acting real ugly and you couldn't get him to do what's right, they said you're going to carry him to the public square and you must stone that kid. Because we're not going to have that in this camp. So I guarantee your parents raised the children right. Because you had to throw the first stone. <laughs> That's a part of the law that got done away with. Not tithing and giving. Oh, Jesus. Come on. Let's keep, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. And all look at verse... 30, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. And if a man will at all redeem out of his tithes, he shall add thereto the fifth part thereof. In other words, he said, if you, if you got a, uh, uh, you go down and read down further, it talks about if you got a house that you tithe unto the church and you want to give unto the church, then you decide you want your house back. You got, you got to pay the price of the house plus 20%. See, y'all don't think right when it comes to the church. We want to give God uh, just a little bit. See, these are guidelines and rules. Because people will offer God anything if they thought God would accept it. Malachi proved that. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, now concerning the tithe of the herd and all that, we're going to go there. These are the commandments. Look at verse 34. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel in Mount Sinai. All right. So no devoted thing or the tenth part belongs to who? God. And these are the commandments of God. Look at Exodus 25. Ah. Since I didn't do the laws of prosperity, I got an extra 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> Exodus 25, verse 1 through 9. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering of every man that giveth it. What? Willingly, with his heart, you shall take my offering. Now we get into the crust of everything, because it's about the heart. It's all about the heart. And this is the offering which you shall take of them. Go, 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 hmm. and silver and brass, and blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine linen, and goats. He's telling them what they can offer God. See, the Mosaic law shows them because they did not know how to approach God anymore. They had been without God in their lives for 450 years. Order was necessary. So God had to give them something to live by so he could work with them. But the tithe was never the part of the law that was in question. Because that was instituted in Abraham. Now, I already showed you that you don't believe it, just don't believe it. I don't have time to waste with you. And he, he named all the things that they can bring as offerings. All the things they can bring as offerings. Amen? And he said, and you take the offerings in verse 8 and let them make me a sanctuary. Who's supposed to build a sanctuary? The people. How are going to get built without them bringing their offerings? See, because the tithe went to the priest. The offerings was to run the church. That's the way God did it. But in our society today, the pastor get a salary. Because they're afraid that the people are going to say, oh, he's stealing. God instituted that. Oh, Jesus. I'm, I'm really going to make somebody mad today because if you, if you don't like giving money, you're going to be upset. But most pastors are on salary, and if they're not on salary, they have something else that they do on the side because most pastors don't want the people to think of them taking the money from the church. We think the man, so in other words, you go to your job and you work for eight hours and you get paid. I'm going to stay in my house and fast and pray for three or four days and believe for your situation. Then I come up here and stand before you anointed and preach revelatory teaching to you. And then you want to give me $2? You want to fix my salary? But that's the way most people think. Because most pastors are scared to tell the truth. Ain't me. Now, 
I don't take all the ties. Don't even don't look at me funny. I knew, well, she must be taking that's how she's living it out. No. <laughs> don't even go there. I get paid when I can get paid. I get a salary. And that's all you need to know. Hallelujah. And most of my salary come right back to the church. So now, you know, bump that against your little stuff you talk about. I got a tithing record that proved that I tithe and give. <laughs> Do you have one? All right. He says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Oh, Jesus. According to all that I showed thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of the, all the instruments, thereof even so shall you make it. So everything we see in the Mosaic law are patterns and outlines and guides that help us to understand God. You know, I'm going to use this example. We recently bought a brand new boy. And my son, I'm so glad he got all the sense about that stuff. But we had a boy. Said so we had a boy. So that's the old. It was functioning, but it was bad. It did not include all the stuff we needed. Everybody follow me so far? So until we could get the new board, the old boy stayed in place. Until, but there was nothing wrong. Now, it might be okay for somebody else. And people still try to live under the law and when it comes to the way they live and treat God. We're still talking about the time. But I got to make this point here. But so what we did, we used the board until the new one came. The new one is including everything that we need to make our sound sound right. So it can go through the, the mic for the uh, YouTube and make it sound with an excellent quality. It makes the music more uh, hearable. So when you sit, now you can hear the band like you want to hear it. Why? The board is bringing that out. But it had to change. We had to change the board. Somebody said change the board. Now, we, most people are trying to live with the old and new board together. You know how we do in our house, you know. We know we, we can't really use it, but we're trying to hold on to it. This is where the confusion comes. Because religion says, you know, God, God don't want you to be blessed like that. That's not, see, that's, that, that's not even the Old Testament. But that's religion. So don't get the word of God mixed up with religion. Religion says you got to work. God said I did away with works. Doesn't mean you don't do anything in the kingdom. Let's make that clear. But your ability to approach God is not going to be based on your works. I want you to hear this. Come on. Stay with me. A little while longer. And he told them all the stuff that, that they could bring as an offering. So by the time we get to the book of Malachi, turn your Bibles back to Malachi, chapter 1. Getting ready to close, and this is my second close, and I got at least one more. By the time we get to the book of Malachi, their hearts are so far removed from wanting to please God that they didn't even realize how far they had strayed. Because it's always been about the heart, people. It was never about the money. Are you ready? Look at verse 6. 
I want to read this from uh, another translation. To the priest who despise the name of the eternal. He's talking to those that are in authority who won't teach you the truth. He's he coming after them first. Because it's the responsibility of the pastor to tell you the truth about the tithe and offering. He says, commander of heavenly armies, a son respects his father and a servant reverence his master. If I am your father, then where is my respect from you? And if I am your glorious master, then where is your reverence of me? From your self-centered oblivion, you ask, how have we despised your name? See, they didn't even know they were being stupid. Verse 7, and as you put polluted grain Offerings on my clean altar. They were bringing the leftover trash. You ask, in what way have we polluted you? Your actions, say actions. Tell your fellow priests and the people whose sacrifices you offer that you all may despise God. Your offerings tell your heart. Your tithes and offering tells your heart. It's a heart condition. Tithe didn't change. Because it's a... First of all, it's a, a, a door of protection. Then secondly, it's a heart regulator. Now I'm going to share something with you. Just a moment. Keep, keep holding on. He says, your actions tell that you have forgotten God. When you offer, look at verse 8. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, isn't that evil? And when you present, you bring in that little Tina offering that you know you can do better than, and you expect, and then talking about, well, that's the best I can do. No, God said, I know your heart. See, he's gauging your heart. He's looking at your heart. He's not looking at the amount. He's looking at the heart. And when you pre present sick and lame animals, isn't that evil? Try bringing these use of the animals to your foreign governors when you need his favor. Try taking that to somebody that you owe some money to. Will he grant your request and lift up your face to his to dignify you? Of course not. Mm -hmm. And now beg before the face of God and try to please him so he might show you favor with these offerings you present. Will you lift up your face to his to show his approval? In other words, you come before God and you know you're not, you're not bringing what he's asked. He's not requiring it. But he's saying, if, if you can't obey me in money, but you're asking me to make you all of this in the land, but you can't obey me in money? Mm. Watch this. Verse 10. I'm going to show you what happened between Malachi and Matthew. Eternal one, who among you will shut the doors that will keep me from smelling your sacrifice and you from wasting time killing the fire on my altar. I, the eternal commander of heavenly armies, don't delight in you. I will not accept any grain offering you present. So God was so upset with them by the time we got to the book of Malachi because they were disrespecting him in the tithe and the offering because they had a heart condition. So much to the place that God said, Shut the temple. Close the church. You need to read this. He told them, close the temple doors. Hmm. Why? Because God would rather have no sacrifice than for us to offer sacrifice of service that is not fully devoted unto him. 
He don't want your little money. Come on. God not looking for your money, looking for your heart. It has always and still is about our heart condition and tithing and giving. So for over 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, there were no major interactions with God in the earth. Now, if God was this absolute about the tithe and offering in the Old Testament, why would he change his position on this in the New Testament? Why would he remove the most important seed of all seeds and leave us uncovered to our enemy? Let me ask you this question again. Was the devil in the earth when Moses was in leadership? Yes. Is the devil still in the earth? Yes. Do we still need protection? Yes. And I'm going to close with this one, what I'm going to read, and then we're going to come back the next time. In fact, the reason the law came is so that a people that did not have God on the inside of them would have an outline as to how they were to deal with God. And in their obeying the commands, now the command is, I told you what that is, it's a set of directions and instructions from an authority that must be obeyed or, or desired to be obeyed. So in other words, you obey the word. In other words, it says, and God on the inside of them will have an outline as to how they were to deal with God. And in their obeying the commands of God in tithing and giving, provided divine protection from the devil. The blood of bulls and goats had to be shed to cover their sinful heart until, until God could get Jesus into the earth. The old way of dealing with God is what got changed. Not tithing and giving. Because it was never a part of the law. It was before the law. However, tithing and giving is still a heart condition. If you don't have a heart towards God correctly, tithing and giving will always be a struggle for you. You learn anything today? <laughs>